Welcome to All Over the Map, where we discuss anything and everything in the world of sports media. I am your host, Ali Musa. A little bit about myself. I am a broadcaster and technology trainer specializing in the Mac, iPhone, and iPad from a voiceover screen reader user's perspective. I have a deep interest in the sports media side, and I am a big sports fan. My objectives for this podcast are I plan to have guests from the sports media side. And I want to hear from you. What would you like me to cover? What do you want to hear on this podcast? Is there a guest from the sports media side you would like me to track down? Your feedback is always welcomed. Coming up on this week's episode. I will be having a conversation with Brock Richardson. Brock is the host of The Neutral Zone on Accessible Media Inc. and a podcaster. He is also a two-time Paralympian. And you will enjoy this conversation. But first, we will take a quick commercial break and return with Brock. Are you looking for the best flavors of ice cream sandwiches in town at a reasonable price? Ali's Ice Cream Extravaganza has you covered with flavors you will not find anywhere else, like chocolate with pineapple mixed and caramel drizzle, just to name a few. And best of all, they are only five cents each, and we will beat the competition. Visit us at aliscreamextravaganza.com. I am Ali Musa. Today, I am joined by Brock Richardson. Brock is a two-time Paralympian, and he hosts the Neutral Zone on Accessible Media, Inc. Brock, thank you so much for joining me today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, I am a two-time Paralympian, as you said, and... I went to uh, Beijing, China in 2008, and I went to London 2012, um, and from in the sport of bocce, and I did that for literally 15 years of my life. I am 31 years of age, and from that, I took the uh, same course you're in, so the accessible voice and broadcast course and then i went on to work for accessible media inc and i am a uh, brother of two siblings and i am now married and i have two cats and six rabbits so that's a little bit about me describe for me what your experience was like like what was your journey on how you got to the paralympics and what steps did you take to get there it was a long journey. I uh, started playing, practicing in Hamilton, Ontario. And so uh, my respite worker at the time uh, would come and bring me to Hamilton because that was the closest uh, place that I could um, play bocce at the time. And uh, we'd go there once a week and I learned uh, bocce and I, and I learned how to play and all those things. And I went to my first competition when I was approximately 12 years old in London, Ontario, and I lost at every game 
by the maximum point value you could. And that's 24 to nothing every single game. And I remember my first event, uh, the head coach at the time uh, came up to me and said, you know what, kid, stick with it. You're going to be, you're going to be really good. I can see lots of potential. And as any uh, preteen would do, it was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see how that goes. And I continued to practice over time and I, I would get better and better and better and better. And uh, then I started to go to uh, more serious competitions and I made my first uh, provincial team at the age of uh, 15 years of age, which is the earliest you can make uh, the provincial team. And then I did that for two years and then uh, 17, the national team uh, came calling and said, we'd like for you to try out for our team. And they have what they call an espoir team, which is like a junior B team uh, for the national program. And at 17, uh, they wanted me to be a part of that program first before I made the national program. And unbeknownst to me, my parents uh, spoke to the coaches ahead of time and said, look, we'd like him to finish high school. We'd like him to do that first, get his feet under him, and then we can talk about sports. So uh, the coaches subsequently called me a couple of weeks later, told me that I hadn't yet made the team. I was no uh, worse for wear. Then I tried it again a year later at the age of 18 and uh, made the team and went to world championships. And then I stuck with the program for seven straight years and uh, went to a bunch of world championships, uh, World Cups, Paralympic Games. It was a long journey, but a uh, successful one at that. That has been a remarkable career as a Paralympic, uh, as a Paralympian. So tell me, describe, you mentioned earlier that you got, you had a chance to travel to different places like Beijing and England. What was the experience like? traveling like in Beijing like what 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 was the uh, experience such as accommodations etc well when we traveled to Beijing the first time I, I got an opportunity to do it twice in my career I traveled to Beijing the first time was uh, for the Paralympic Games and when I when I did that you got like the cream of the crop you were in a village, you had a smorgasbord of food, you, you know, were treated well, massage therapists, you know, Paralympic Team Canada, all those things. And it was such a wonderful, wonderful experience uh, being in Beijing. We were kind of the pioneers for individuals with uh, various disabilities, uh, because before that, you didn't see people with disabilities in China whatsoever and so because of the paralympic games you started to see individuals participating in sports you started to see them come out of institutions and live you know amongst peers and things like that so i like to say that those games we were pioneers to show the rest of the world hey we as individuals uh, with a disability can can you know be successful compete with everybody else and so it was kind of a cool experience to be a part of that like it's i mean it's one of those things where you 
had the opportunity to do it, you had and, and travel and participate in different competitions. So you, you you take it and you 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 do it. Yeah, for sure. So how did you get your start in media? Well, my start in media is a, uh, an interesting one because I was working for a accessible transportation company in Brampton, Transalp, and I was taking uh, their appeals. So people would apply for the program and for one reason or another, sometimes you'd get denied and then the individuals have the right to appeal it. And I was doing that for about six to eight months and and it was fun. You know, you, you got a little bit of uh, money doing it as well. And, you know, they'd feed you well and all those things. And then one day I was working on an appeal and I saw something come through my email that said, uh, um, accessible voice and broadcasting looking for students and it's going to be the first of its kind and and you know lots of experience at that time it was uh, uh 24 weeks uh for us to do the program so i applied and i emailed melanie and and her and i had a, a wonderful initial meeting and i knew right away that that was the right program for me i knew that the the vibe of the organization uh, would be would be a good one and the people were great and so I took a leap of faith and the funny thing is Ali I, I um, the thing that sold me was that Melanie told me there's not a massive amount of homework um, during the course you do have to work on a little bit of stuff at home but there's not a massive amount it's a lot of hands-on in the course and that for me was the thing that sold me because i never was one to want to take home a bunch of homework to study for hours and hours and hours for an exam i would you know with going through school and stuff but it just wasn't my favorite thing to do so that's kind of how i got started in the in the media and then it sort of carried on um, through different steps from there so it was a long path to get there to get the start even in media where you had where you started a transportation company and then eventually saw a note about the the broadcasting course and then you decided to just take the opportunity and good congratulations on that thank you i appreciate that describe what it is like being a member of the media compared to an athlete um let's start with the athlete as an athlete sometimes you believe that members of the media are those annoying people in the corner and you come after it after a game you come off the court and they stick a microphone in your face and they ask you the tough questions and one of the things that i never really understood until uh working in the media was people would say oh athletes give you know the the cliche, the cliche answers of like pucks in deep, we played well, we did well on the forecheck, those types of things. And I never really understood that until I was on the other side. And you really have to think about the questions you're going to ask uh, athletes because to get the best out of athletes, you really have to get in deep into what you what you want them to to give you because otherwise they are just going to give you the cliche answers and that doesn't make for a good interview so for me i like being on this side of the 
media and trying to get the best out of athletes. I actually take it as a challenge to get the best out of athletes as opposed to being the athlete. And it's like, oh man, here they are again. They're coming at me with questions. And they always seem to have the more questions for you. Every time you'd have a really bad game, they'd come off and they'd say, well, what happened? And my first reaction all the time was, I lost. I didn't play well, which is not good for media. It's not something that's going to, you know, people are going to sink their teeth in. They want you to say those headline things. And I just was never willing to do that. Often you hear from the fan's perspective that the media does not ask the right questions to the players. Not necessarily the right questions, but they they find that they do not ask what they want to hear. They don't. They do not give the, the give the answers appropriately. What, what what would you say to that? I think it it depends when you get that uh, athlete. It depends at what point. I think a lot of the times we get athletes when there's a pressing item, a pressing reason why we want them. They've been just traded from team A over to team B. And so media comes at you and they say, well, why did you make such decision and it's hard for athletes to compartmentalize after just making such a life-changing decision of moving cities it's hard for athletes to compartmentalize right away what it is that that they did or why they did what they did and so sometimes i think that's why you get the generic answer of like i did it because it was right for me well that's not enough for the fans the fans don't understand what's right for them because why they don't live in the head of the athlete. But I think sometimes it depends on when and where you get the athlete and how soon after they've made such a, a, a deep and life-changing decision. That's what I believe. Appreciate the perspective. What was the media coverage like for your competition? Uh, actually in uh, Beijing, it was the, uh, very first time that the Olymp- Paralympic Games were covered inside of the village. So when you went um, into the village, you could flip on a channel and you could go to any of the sporting venues that you wanted to and and see the games. We have never seen that before. And then um, when we went to London it got even better because in London they broadcasted it on their disability channel and the name of their disability channel has escaped me at the moment, but they have a specific disability channel that they use and there you were able to watch it on their conventional media plus also watch it in the uh, village and bocce was the number one watched sport in the village and then, of course, you had, you know, on the conventional station, you had swimming, wheelchair basketball that seemed to be the most popular. But we thought it was really cool that bocce was the number one watched sport in the village. So that means that other athletes in other sports were hooked on bocce for one reason or another, which was really amazing. That was where the media was getting their start in covering the Olympic, the Paralympics. 
yeah, that's what I would say. Because before that, even though I didn't go to games um, before those two, there was next to zero coverage from athletes that have been to three and four games. And CBC would do some, you know, midnight coverage, reruns, etc. But now, since 2008 and moving forward, it's just skyrocketed. And is there room for improvement? Absolutely. We are nowhere even close to the, you know, 23 out of 24 hours that we see uh, the Olympics. But we are, we are slowly, and I repeat, it is slow, but we are slowly trending in the appropriate direction um, moving forward. What needs to change in terms of media coverage for the Paralympics? Uh, what needs to change is the recognition of people in the higher powers of different sports uh, networks that people will watch when you put this on. Um, you know, you, you've seen that ratings have been good with CBC when they put on those two to five hours coverage depending on which games it is i think if people if you put it on and it's accessible to people they will watch i mean you look at uh women's hockey you know when the women are playing at the olympic games people watch and i strongly believe that if you were to do that with the para sports it's the same thing why because everybody has a different story a missing limb a missing arm a, you know this kind of disability that kind of disability so the challenges are even greater than your average olympian so i think people would gravitate towards the stories it's just convincing the bosses that putting on the paralympics is more important than putting on you know a football game or a basketball game which is tough to do because ratings do speak and when basketball and all the other sports do well it's hard for us to crack spots that aren't in at like midnight or things like that i just believe it's it's the you know the higher ups that to buy into the idea that paris would be a good thing to broadcast so the networks are not taking the advantage of broadcasting it so that the to gain more coverage in the mainstream yeah. why does the paralympics not get much attention from mainstream media other than I the just, networks i just think that the belief is that you know people won't watch it and ratings ratings do speak and i have to say cbc has done a wonderful job over the last you know uh, 12 years or so but it's still not to the level of olympic sports and i just think that they just need to take that risk and put it on at times that would suit people because when they were putting it on before they're putting it on it at you know midnight um 1 a.m 2 a.m well the average person is sleeping if you put it up on prime time i really truly believe that people would would watch it but again, it becomes what do we move off of prime time to fit that? And we know that thousands and hundreds of thousands of people watch mainstream sports at 7 p.m. every night. So is it really a, a fair competitive ground? Probably not. But I really believe that it would be an acceptable amount of ratings if you put it uh, at prime time. But I know it's a risk for those 
companies. It's amazing how far the coverage has come, though, in terms of where we're at. Yeah, and I think that's something that, you know, people need to acknowledge. I think it's easy to look at it and say, well, you know, the, the Olympics has, you know, 23 out of 24 hours, whereas the Paralympics may only have, you know, 15 to, to 20 hours in the whole games. It's easy to look at that and say, well, there's a bit of a disparity. Yes, there is a bit of a disparity there, but when you consider where we came from to where we are now, it's it's not easy for people to look at the difference. And I think we need to acknowledge that over time, the growth has been better and better and better and better again. So, Tell me a little bit about covering the blind hockey tournament and how it is covered from an athlete's perspective. Yeah. Um, for one thing, Ali, that is literally my favorite event uh, that we get to do at uh, AMI-audio every year. It is the greatest weekend. I circle it every year. I ask you know, my manager every year, I say, are we doing it? And when we missed it for two years, it was sorely missed. And the reason it's sorely missed is because AMI does a wonderful job at at broadcasting it. And broadcasting the divisions uh, that are up and coming. And honestly, if you roll into that uh, Madame Athletic Center, formerly known as Maple Leaf Gardens, you would never know that these individuals are blind and partially sighted. It looks like regular hockey. They're skating around people. They're passing. They're making great plays. The only difference is you have a bell in the middle of basically an oversized tuna can uh, that makes the difference. But aside from that, it looks the same hockey, and it's just wonderful, wonderful to cover, and I love covering it every year. And how is it covered from an athlete's perspective? What, like the af- and in terms of what the athletes feel about the media coverage? Uh, yeah, I think the athletes. Well, I know the athletes enjoy it. That it's it's their big uh, national uh, tournament every year, and and we have you know sideline reporters that you know go go down between the periods and do the discussions. And for them, they love the fact that, you know, AMI is covering it. Nico Cardarelli of Parasport TV, again, does a wonderful job telling the stories of athletes. And, and that resonates well with the athletes, but also with the parents and family um, that are watching that are from different parts of Canada that can't join us. Um, you know, and I think that's the biggest thing. It makes them feel like they're in the NHL and they're, you know, having their weekend and, and we really do try to do as much wall to wall coverage as we can. And I, and I really do think that we do an outstanding job uh, in covering it. And honestly, those are long days, depending on how we, we cover it. There's times that, you know, we'll cover two games in one, which can be, you know, uh, a four to five hour run at a broadcast. And then you take a break and you come back and you do it again in a little bit. It's, it's a, it's a it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. This past year, we did a little bit of a sprint. We didn't do as much as we normally do because we we're just coming back off of, uh, of COVID and the event was, you know, just getting back on its feet. We didn't do as much, but the previous two years uh, before 
uh, this past year was definitely a marathon and it's tough but it's definitely rewarding at the end of it when you realize that you just broadcasted at the old maple leaf gardens and you know the national team will be named it's it's really a wonderful event and i've heard nothing but positivity uh when you talk to the athletes afterwards about how it was and and, the, and some of them have joined us on the neutral zone and it, it's really great to just have that connection year-round with people it is a very rewarding experience to cover a tournament like that especially with the wall-to-wall -wall coverage that is put out every couple of sometimes in one two in one day and sometimes one day one game for, per for the day depending on what the tournament schedule is right yeah and how can people contact you uh people can contact me i am at neutral zone br on twitter and you're more than welcome to uh, contact me and of course if you're uh listening to ami audio and you want to leave us a message it's one 509 and the lovely marketing team will get us uh, your message and i'm happy to answer any uh any questions anyone may have on twitter i am an open book i'm not one of those people that has a blue check mark and it doesn't allow people to uh, communicate with me i love uh communicating back with, with people and it's fun well, Brock, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. You're welcome anytime and uh, best of luck with the uh, remainder of the course and whatever the future holds for you in media. I am Ali Musa and it's not goodbye. It's until next time. Thank you so much for listening to All Over the Map. If you have any questions or feedback, you can email me at a-T-O-M podcast 819 at gmail.com That is A as in alpha T as in the O as in over M as in map podcast 819 at gmail.com You can also feel free to visit our website to learn more about upcoming episodes at https colon slash slash allytechgroup.wordpress.com slash podcast dash all dash over dash the dash map once again that is https colon slash slash allytechgroup.wordpress.com slash podcast dash all dash over dash the dash map and it is not goodbye it is until next